blessed assurance of your word that because you live, we can face tomorrow. Lord, we pray that you speak to us now through your word. May you be glorified, your people blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. I am so excited and delighted to see each one of you this morning. Isn't this great? Amen. This early in the morning to see smiling faces, people are ready to worship. I thank God for you. Y'all got me spoiled now. I'm looking forward to seeing you. <laughs> Amen. And I was just thinking how great a blessing it is for me to have all of our associate uh, pastors, and particularly this morning, uh, with Pastor uh, Stevens, and um, I feel sometimes like Moses uh, with Joshua and our relationship. I mean, I call him numerous times during the week, and he's always there holding up my arms, and uh, David and, and Jonathan relationship wherever uh, David was, whether he was in the thick of the battle or doing peacetime, Jonathan was right there. And what a blessing it is to have him and our other associates as well. Galatians 5.22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And when I look into these scriptures, I see not only fruit of the Spirit, but I see core values. Core values are those, those qualities, those things that, that drive the attitude and the behavior of the organization. And in our particular case, the church, though that's what core values are. And we've already talked about love as a core value, meaning agape love, the highest form of love. Agape love is not about emotions or uh, uh, about feelings, but it's about the will. When we really will the best for another person, that's agape. And then we talked about the core value of joy, that joy is that uh, deep down supernatural exhilaration that we have, uh, regardless of those things that are going on around us. But today I want to talk about the core value of peace. I talk about peace as a core value. And, and if we're going to be an effective team, which is our theme for this, uh, this uh, sermon series, Building an Effective Team in 2015, we have to practice the core value of peace. Now, as a boy growing up, uh, up in South Carolina, I often heard the older people in our community and even our family members uh, uh, say things to us when we were playing or rambunctious or making noise or just in the way. And, you know, they would say, boy, go somewhere and sit down. <laughs> That's what they would say. Go somewhere and sit down. Stop all of that fuss. And then they would say something like this. They would say, because I want some peace and quiet. Yeah. Right, some peace and quiet. Or, or they would say things like, I just want some peace of mind. Yeah, when I was growing up, I heard those in that terms, and I'm sure some of you have heard them as well. Now, to me, it was, it was sometimes aggravating to hear them say that, just go somewhere and play, uh, um, go somewhere and sit down. I want some peace and quiet. It was aggravating to hear that, but then sometimes it was funny. You know, I would laugh, I would laugh about it, you know. Because, because that old crowd always seemed to just want peace and quiet. And I thought that was the funniest thing, you know. I'm like, what kind of joy and satisfaction is just sitting around with peace and quiet? 
<laughs> you know, what does peace and quiet have to do with life and playing basketball and riding my bicycle and enjoying my friend? What does peace and quiet have to do? Just see, peace and quiet seem to be extremely boring to me. But needless to say, as the years have rolled on and life <laughs> became a little more complicated than just eating and sleeping and going to school without any bills and going to lunch and playing with my buddies and playing basketball and playing football and having a good time, hanging out with my friends. Life became more complicated. And I gained a deeper understanding of peace and why the old folk wanted it. There's something about time and experience that brings our lives and minds in perspective. Now, I think you will agree with me today that the world in which we live is a very troublesome place. If anyone has doubts about that statement or even want to refute that statement, I would just invite you to listen to or read the local, the state the national or the international news for confirmation. There seems to me, and maybe you've experienced this, but it seems to me to be an increasingly high level or increasingly high levels of anger in our society and in our world and bitterness and frustration. People just seem to be so frustrated everywhere you, everywhere you turn. Uh, a high level and increasing levels of discontentment and dissatisfaction and disillusionment and even depression in the lives of multitudes of people. And some of you work with people like that. And some of you uh, live in families and, and, uh, with people uh, like that. Even people with a great deal of money and, and a great deal of stuff seem to not have peace in their life. They got stuff. You know, you people got a lot of stuff and a lot of money and, and titles, but, but it seems that they can get no real and lasting peace or satisfaction, or contentment. And as a result, they do all kind of foolish things. I mean, you read about all kind of foolish things, uh, self-destructive kinds of things, because they have no peace. Now, in fact, one of the most lucrative professions today, and here's something for the young people. If you have an interest, if you have a passion, one of the most lucrative professions today in, in the world's market, and is counseling, if you have an act for it, if you're good at it, if you have a passion for it. It's a very lucrative profession. It's not unusual for counselors on the local level. I'm telling you what I know because I've, I've, I've tried to, to secure counselors uh, for, for people. We have a, a church staff counselor now in Sister Stevens, a church you know, certified Christian counselor. But before she came along, I was trying to get uh, off-campus counseling for people, and, 
And I found out that, that a good start in price per hour was $50, I mean, was $80 for a 50-minute session, 52 minute-to-hour uh, 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 minute session. And I talked to one lady, and her fee was $100 or $150 because she had a Ph.D. and she had some other kinds of uh, training. And that's what she, that's what she was charging, uh, usually for 50 minutes, an hour, to sit and listen to people, personal and professional problems. And most of the people that uh, counselors listen to, a large volume of them are looking for peace. They're just trying to get some peace, trying to get some peace in their, in their personal lives, trying to get some peace in their, in their home, trying to find some peace in their marital relationships, trying to find some peace uh, uh, in their professional lives. But not only that, uh, f- further research has revealed to me that the pharmaceutical industry, those in the upper echelon, and those who are, uh, you know, the, 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 in the corporate part of that are getting wealthier by the minute by promising and packaging peace and appeal. And, and that's not against, uh, you know, I mean, and, and, and a lot of them are trying to do something. They're trying to, trying to meet a need. We have at least one pharmacist that's a member of this, this church, and, and her job is to dispense medication in, in the right way to help people get better. But those in the upper echelon are really, you know, making, making a mint of packaging pills, promising to provide peace to people. And it's uh, every day occurrence and sadly enough multitudes of stressed out people are looking to find peace in a bottle peace in a glass peace in a needle peace in a powder peace in all kinds of sexual perversions it's all about people trying to find peace which by the way comes with a myriad of side effects including hangovers, heartaches, heartbreaks, disappointment, discouragement, disillusionment, ruined lives, devastated lives, ruined careers, just to name a few. Why? Because because when we dance to the music and the light goes out at the party, we got to pay the piper. Yeah, we got to pay the piper. We can dance, but we got to pay the piper. Now, I think it's important to let people know that and to remind people that, that when we dance, we got to pay the piper. If we dance to, to the beat of, 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 of false and, and, and fakery and frivolous kinds of peace substitutes, there's always a, 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 a negative reaction, a, a, a fallout behind it and it's devastating off time but having said all of that here's some good news I don't know about you but when I come to church I want to hear some good news I mean I don't mind hearing I don't mind hearing the negative stuff you know but I want to hear some good news tell me something good yeah because I come through the doors and I mean I I, I might come in with a load of, of care, but when I go out, I want to go out with some good news. Yeah, yeah. So here's the good news. 
Paul wrote in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Paul wrote that peace, the peace rather that Paul wrote about is that real peace. Not peace in a pill, not peace in a powder, not peace in perversion. But real peace, genuine peace, authentic peace, peace that lasts, not temporary peace, not temporal peace, but peace that that lasts, peace that won't go away during the midnight hour, peace that won't leave you during times of struggle, peace that won't run away, run, run out on you during the times of your storm. That's what peace is talking about. Paul is talking about lasting peace. Peace that has no negative side effects. Peace that has no negative causes, no negative connotations, no negative concerns comes as a direct relationship of the Holy Spirit living within the life of everyone who trusts Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's where real peace comes from. Now, it, sounds, it might sound elementary, and, and it may not sound uh, high-tech, but that's just the truth of the word. That's where peace comes from. Amen. No need trying to complicate it. No need trying to wrap it in deep philosophical ideologies and, and thought and, and deep uh, 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 pervasive kind of theological jargon. Peace comes through the Holy Spirit as a result of having a relationship with Jesus. That's it, plain and simple. We can't get it from a bottle. We can't get it from a pill. We can't buy it. We can't bargain for it or have it bequeathed to us. The peace of God comes only from God to those who open their hearts and their minds and their lives to his son, Jesus. When the song said, I, 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 I looked all over, I searched all over, I couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low, I couldn't find nobody. I couldn't find nobody like Jesus. What he's saying is I couldn't find peace. I couldn't find it. I, I looked for it in relationships, and they were fleeting. I, I looked for it in, in drugs, and I couldn't find it. I looked for it in the bottle. I couldn't find it. I came to Jesus, the songwriter said, as I was. I was weary, wounded, and sad, but I found in him a resting place. That's peace. He has made me glad. It comes only from God. There's a relationship of, of hearts and minds and lives yielded to Jesus. That means we willfully give Jesus the controlling interest of our lives. He then becomes the senior partner, the president, the CEO, the commander and chief, the playmaker and the shot caller of our lives. Without him being at the head of our lives, there simply will be no peace. We can preach about peace. We can talk about peace. We can sing about peace. We can come to church every time the door 
opens, we can talk religious talk. We could have been in the church for 40, 50, 60 years, but without a genuine relationship with Jesus, there will be no real peace, no lasting peace, no satisfaction, and no contentment. One of my favorite logos is on a set of t-shirts my wife has at home, and the logo reads, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. That t-shirt get, gets a lot of attention, you know. Sometimes I wear that while when I'm working out. I wear it when I'm out around folk, uh, uh, Lake Hollingsworth, and, and, and people read that t-shirt, and sometimes they say, I like that, I like that, I like that. You know, no, K-N-O-W, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. But on the other hand, N-O, Jesus, no Jesus, N-O, no peace. So now your question might be, what is peace? Explain it to me. Break it down. I mean, we, we, we hear it as a term, but just, just what is it? How, how do I wrap my arms around it and pull it close to my breast? What, what is it about? More specifically, what is the peace of God? Well, to answer this question appropriately, we need to take a brief look at the Greek word Paul used in the text for peace. Now, as I said to you before, you don't need to be a Greek scholar nowadays. All you need to do is Google it. The Greek word for peace in Galatians 5.22. That's if you can't go to seminary or if you aren't interested in going to seminary, you can just Google it. The Greek word for peace Paul uses is irony. It means, meaning is twofold. First, it is the tranquil, calm, serene, soothing, a restful state of a soul because of its salvation through Jesus Christ. That's peace. Irene, I mean, irene. That's what it means. Let me read that again. It is the tranquil, calm, serene, soothing, a restful state of a soul because of its salvation through Jesus Christ. This is what it means. It means being relaxed. All day and all night because you know that your life is right with God. That's peace. I mean, you can, you, can, you can listen to all the news you want to listen to, but if you got this one thing straight, you got peace. A lot of people now talking, uh, you know, a lot of talk now about the end of the world. And 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 the last days and all valid valid conversations. But there's one thing about it: no matter when Christ comes, if we are right with God, we got peace. Whether it's a hundred years from now or whether it's the next moment, there's no fakery, no fraud, no fronting, no foolishness. Just downright, straight up, pure and simple connection with God the Father through Jesus the Son. That's that's peace. But then there's another meaning to this word, and it means harmony or unity between people. When the peace of God is present in the life of a believer, there is no anger, no bitterness, 
no jealousy, no envy, no rage, no strife standing in the way of brothers and sisters in Christ working together. Now that's peace. That's what Paul is talking about. That's the fruit of the Spirit. He said love, joy, and peace. Peace is the product of having a genuine relationship with Jesus. Now, peace will be an indispensable part of the process of working together. If you don't have peace, you won't work well together, plain and simple. The only way to have that peace is to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. The reason Pastor Stevens worked with Pastor Pickett and vice versa is because the relationship with Jesus is real and the Holy Spirit has given us the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace, is our core value, and we work it out. Work it out. That's peace. Now that we know what peace is, Let's take a several take uh, several look at several things that peace is not because because really in order for us to have an effective team in 2015 we must hold the peace of God high as a core value of our church family and we must not only proclaim peace we must practice peace because the world is looking to the church for an example of what peace is and what peace looks like. And if they can't find it from us, where can they find it? Where can they find it? Now, let's take a look at several things that peace is not, and that will help kind of clarify better what peace is. First, peace is not the absence of conflict. You probably heard that before. Peace is not necessarily the absence of of conflict. That is to say that we can be in the middle of conflict and still have peace. Yeah, we, we can be in the middle of conflict in the family, in the church, at our workplaces, in school, in the middle of conflict and still have peace. Why? Because the peace that God gives is not based upon smooth sailing, but based upon who God is and what he says. Paul states the matter like this in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Paul says, be anxious. That means don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then Paul says, and the peace of God, watch this, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul said, you got a peace surrounding you, even in the midst of conflict conflict that's guarding your heart that's keeping your heart from being torn asunder and protecting your mind keeping us from going crazy that's what Paul is saying and so time times of chaos and conflict and confusion God's peace builds a peaceful hedge around our hearts and our minds second Peace is not the absence of challenge. That's a misnomer that, 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 that in order to have peace, you won't have any challenges in life. That's just not true. Peace, the peace of God is not the absence of challenges in life. But it does mean approaching challenges with the blessed assurance of knowing that God, this is peace now, 
that God will bring us out where we need to be on time every time. That's peace. Peace is not the absence of that challenge, but it's just knowing deep down in your soul the satisfaction that, yes, I'm facing a challenge. Yes, I'm facing a difficult time. Yes, things are tough and trying for me, but my peace comes from the fact that I know that no matter what's going on, God will Bring me out in his own way and in his own time. Not just one time. Not just two times. Not just three times. But every time I turn around, God is bringing me out. That's peace. That's something the world doesn't have. They, they, They don't have that. Peace is going to the negotiating table. The football field. The basketball court, the board meeting, the court hearing, or the bedside of a sick loved one with the understanding that God is the ultimate authority in this challenge. And whatever he says will be. Oh, that ought to bring you some peace. You might be going to the job thinking about, 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 about cutting staff or, or thinking about performance reports or whatever the case may be. But you can go there with peace knowing that God will handle the situation. And no matter who you meet there, what his or her title is, what their position is, you go there and you understand that God is the ultimate authority and God has the last say and whatever God says will be and and, and you know God's God's yes answers are wonderful but God's no answers are just as wonderful as his yes answers because when God says no it's for his glory and it's for your good how many times has God said no to us and, 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 and our heart were, were broken, we were upset about it, and we went just a little bit further up the road, and then we said, God, I know why you said no. I want to thank you for saying no, because had you not said no, my life would have been different today. That's peace knowing that God's got this thing under control. The world doesn't have that. And if we're going to be a successful team in 2015, we got to wrap our hearts and minds around that core value of understanding that no matter what it is, God's got it in his time. As a young pastor, I should find myself getting frustrated, Pastor Stevens, and and worried and losing sleep because things were not going like I thought they should go or moving as fast as I thought they should move. But now I go to bed every night, get a good night's sleep, and my head hit the pillow because I understand that that, that, that in God's time, whatever God wants will be. And, And I got peace about it. I don't worry about it. I don't need a pill to get me over that. I I understand that it's all in God's hand. It's in his time. Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Three young Hebrew boys who were exiled 
doing, uh, in serving in Babylon under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar were facing execution by death in a fiery furnace because of their refusal to bow down to false gods. And in the midst of their challenge of facing the situation of, of death, of facing death, the peace of God prevailed and they made this monumental statement, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire. That's peace in there. That, that's, that's peace in the workplace. That my, my God is able to deliver us, deliver me from the fire. I know God is able. That's peace. God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your hand. In other words, I don't know how deliverance is going to come. I don't know when deliverance is going to come. you treating us bad. you treating us wrong. You, you're not doing right by us. We know God will deliver. He would deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image you have set up. That's peace. No, peace says, peace of God says, whichever way the ball bounces, whichever way the tide turns, Whichever way the cookie crumbles, I got peace. I'm at peace about this thing. I, I, I'm at peace about it. Other folk might be upset, pulling their hair, but I got peace about it. Whichever way God wants to take it, it's all right with me. And third and finally, peace is not the absence of chaos. When the great Chicago fire consumed the windy city, in 1871, Horatio G. Spafford, an attorney heavily invested in real estate in the Chicago area, suffered tremendous financial loss. Around the same time he was suffering this financial loss, his four-year-old son contracted and died of scarlet fever. Horatio was grief-stricken and and poured himself into his work trying to, 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 to find that, that peace. He just started working profusely, trying to find peace. And he, he began to help rebuild the city, and he began to help thousands of homeless people who were displaced. And, and in 1873, he decided to take his wife and his four daughters to Europe on a vacation. And while he was over there, he thought that he would hear, listen to his friend, the uh, great evangelist D.L. Moody, preach while he was in Europe. And Moody was preaching in, in England. But, but when an urgent matter detained him in New York, Horatio decided to send his wife and his four daughters on ahead of him. He said goodbye to them at the port and promised to join them soon. And on November 22nd, 1873, the ship they were in collided with an iron sailing vessel and it began to, to sink. Reports said that screams and prayers and oaths merged into a nightmare of unmeasured terror as passengers clung to their posts tumbling through darkness and were swept away by the powerful currents of the icy ocean. In two, hour, in two hours, the report said that 
The ship had sunk, sank c completely. The 226 fatalities included Horatio's four daughters. Mrs. Spafford was found nearly unconscious. She was holding on to a piece of the ship's debris uh, for, for dear life. And when the 47 passengers landed in Cardiff, Wales, she sent a brief message to her husband. She didn't send much. Uh, a brief message over the wire simply stated, quote, saved alone, end quote. Horatio immediately booked passage to join his wife. He wanted to be with his wife and comfort his wife so that they could grieve the loss of their four daughters together. Remember, they'd already lost their four-year-old son. And so he booked the passage as soon as he could. And en route on a cold December night, the captain called him to his side. And he said to Horatio, he said, Horatio, I believe we are now passing the very place where the Ville de Hare the ship your wife and daughters were on went down. Horatio returned to his cabin, but heartbreaking, heartbroken was unable to sleep. And through his grief and through his tears and through his pain and through his suffering and through his crisis, confusion and chaos, God supernaturally gave him peace. And out of the peace, that God supernaturally manifested in Horatio's life, he wrote the words to this hymn, which has passed down through the corridors of time for many years. These words, when peace, like a river, attendeth my way, with sorrow, like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, whatever comes my way, whatever difficulties I'm facing, whatever challenges I'm facing, whatever life hits me with, because of my relationship with God, because of the fruit of the Spirit, peace, whatever my lot, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. But whatever my lot, thou has taught me to say, it is well. It is well because Jesus suffered and bled and died on Calvary's cross. It is well with my 